You're going where? You're doing what? Are you crazy, Aunt Tam? Make sure you subscribe. Welcome to Many Roads Traveled. I'm Tamara, and I have one question for you. Do you love to travel? Awesome! Well, then I invite you to join me on my 30,000-mile road trip from Paris to Cape Town back to Nairobi. One more thing. We'll be traveling back in time to 1993 before the internet, Google Maps, and cell phones. However, not to worry because I do give you up-to-date info on each episode. Plus, you can always find more information on my website, manyroadstravel.com. So, without further ado, let's hit the road! Well, here we go. It is episode number 50. Woo-woo! A little bit of a milestone for me. So I'll start off by just saying thank you so much for listening because without you, I wouldn't be here, I guess. <laughs> well, at least the podcast wouldn't be. <laughs> I hope I still would be. Anywho, and on today's episode, it's all about Namibia. So we are in Svakamund, Namibia, which is a coastal town. And then we're heading to the capital, Windhoek. And then to Sausivle, which is just absolutely breathtaking, huge kind of sand dunes and pans and things like that. It's it's amazing. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen, which is saying a lot. And then we're going to be going to Luderitz, which is a smaller little coastal harbor town on the Atlantic coast, where we spend Christmas and where the return of the Tiger Lady However, this time in the form of Bruce Lee makes an appearance. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. However, you'll hear all about it shortly. We'll also be covering about 700 miles, taking us up to 23,700 miles on my 30,000 mile overland trip from Paris to Cape Town. Okay, so let's pick up where we left off last episode. So, of course, if this is your first episode, then, yeah, why don't you just come along for the whole ride and start with episode one. <laughs> like I said, so we're in Svakamunt. It's the biggest coastal town in Namibia, and it was founded by German colonial people. So the architecture, you feel like you're in a, a German town, basically. It's so crazy because you look at the wild Atlantic Ocean, and it's a very rugged coastline, although there is a nice beach there, too. You feel like you're in a... A German village or something. It's very strange. <laughs> like a lot of the food is German as well. So you get your strudels and, you know, brought, well, I don't eat red meat, but brought first, things like that, right? So yeah, it's, it's a cute little town, I have to say. And they even have their own Oktoberfest because, of course, they have a lot of good German beer there as well as awesome seafood too. So we did get some fresh seafood there, which was lovely. Just south of Svakamut, there's a place called Walvis Bay, and it's renowned for dolphins, seals, and whales, so whale watching, so you can do little excursions from Walvis Bay. And there's also a place called Pelican Point, where, guess what, there's pelicans, <laughs> but also lots of flamingos and other birds. So yeah, so there's, you know, some stuff to do around there, so we, we checked all that out as well. So I really stayed in Svakamut for... I think one one night or two nights, maybe. Yeah, sorry, I'm not as detailed as my previous episodes because for some reason I didn't write my journal for three months, which is really annoying. But hey, ho, I guess I didn't realize I'd be doing a podcast 27 years later because, of course, this trip was in 1993. 
in 94, you know, before the internet and mobile phones and things like ATM <laughs> and Google Maps, things like that were pretty handy nowadays, but didn't have them then. So it was literally, you know, flying by the seat of your pants, so to speak. I was also traveling with four other people who I'd met in Harare, Zimbabwe. So Oliver, New Zealand guy, Leonie and Lisa, who were Australian girl cousins, and then Warren, who owned this Land Rover, which he had driven down from England. So he'd done a very similar trip to me, except for he had his own vehicle, which is <laughs> a lot easier in many ways. And I was so grateful that I kind of joined the Commonwealth crew, I nicknamed us, because Zimbabwe and Namibia especially you know, you really do need to have your own transport because public transportation, even nowadays, is not the greatest. So, yeah, I was super thankful. And we got along so well. So it was really cool hanging out with these guys. And even better, Warren had bolted a car seat on the roof of the Land Rover. <laughs> so it was awesome. I could, I would just sit up there all the time and just watch Africa go by 360. Yeah, it was amazing. Much better traveling than, you know, how I, what I was used to in back of trucks or, you know, packed buses or minibuses or matatus. This is like luxury. So from there, yeah, we drove to the capital of Vuntuk, which is a few hours. And, you know, it's really the only big city in Namibia. So we just kind of went there to restock up our supplies because that was the one great thing. We were also self-sufficient because... We all had our own tents, so we camped a lot because that was also cheaper. And I was very, very low on budget because I, at this point, like it's about mid-December, you know, and I left Canada. So I started my trip January 17th, 1993. And it's, so it's coming up to a year of me just being on the road traveling. So yeah, needless to say, budget was very low, but I was very close to my goal was to get to Cape Town from Paris by land or water. Anyways, so yeah, we restocked at Vindhoek, didn't really do too much there, and then we drove from Vindhoek straight to Sasuvle, which, I, like I said, it is incredible. It's in the Namib Desert, and apparently the Namib Desert is the oldest desert in the world, which I did not know that, so that's kind of cool. And Sasuvle is famous for its huge, like, red and pinky sand dunes, as well, there's a few white salt pans as well. But yeah, I was surprised at how much vegetation was actually there. And in Veltfle, which is one of the biggest of the salt pans, there's like these, these skeletal trees. It's crazy. There's also these plants that are called Velvicia marabilis, <laughs> which are really crazy looking. They can live up to a thousand years old. So, the, so there are these ancient plants that are, I think, only grow there in that area of Namibia. So, you know, people who are into their plants, there you go. You better check those guys out. So it's Velvicia mirabilis plants. Look it up because they are really crazy looking. So Sasuvle is found in the heart of the Namib Nankluft National Park. And of course, it's part of the Namib Desert. And it's, that park is one of the largest parks in Africa as well. 
So in the park, so Sausalito is part of the park. You have the sand dunes. You also find rivers and mountains. And it's an amazing, amazing place. It's very vast. And just south of Sausalito, there's this huge privately owned park, which is called the Namib Ran Nature Reserve. And it's 170,000 hectares. So it's huge, but you can visit there. It's a conservation area. And you'll find wildlife in this whole area, like onyx, springbok, ostriches, zebras, and kudus. So we got there and we were able to camp inside the park because from the entrance to the park, it's about 60 kilometers to Sausible and Veltve. It was really nice. Like I love the desert, actually. Deserts are so beautiful in their own way. And you will not find better stars at night than from deserts because there's just no pollution. So the skies are crystal clear. So we had a little bonfire and then, yeah, just stargaze and then hit the hay because we wanted to get to Sausalito early because, it, you know, it gets hot. <laughs> and they do open the gates an hour before sunrise. So we did that. Like I said, we were in a four-wheel drive because you need a four-wheel drive, basically, because the, the asphalt road even stops five kilometers from there. So even if you had a normal car, you'd still be a five-kilometer walk from Sausalito. And dead flight. So yeah, we we're up the Crocodon and and drove through there. And of course, I'm on the rooftop, and it's just amazing because <laughs> with the sun coming up, you know, and as the sun moves, the the colors of the sand dunes change. They go from like orangey to really red and pinks. Like I have a couple of photos are just amazing. They just they look like paintings. They don't even look like it's real. <laughs> So we got to Sausalito and then we decided, you know, you can walk. There's no fences. There's no rules, really, to be honest. So you can got to do whatever you want. Obviously, don't get lost in the desert. Don't recommend that. But yeah, so we walked up some sand dunes and the most famous one's called Dune 45. So we walked up there and then the biggest one is called Big Daddy. <laughs> That's the highest. That takes about an hour to climb up that sucker, but it's well worth it because the views are breathtaking probably the third most famous one is called Big Mama. So, <laughs> but we did Dune 45 and Big Daddy. It's just absolutely breathtaking. Really highly, highly recommend it. And now a quick sponsor break. Please, please, please never travel without travel insurance. Trust me, I learned once from the hard way and never again. <laughs> this is the travel insurance company that I use and they're awesome. They cover over 130 different countries. So go check them out manyroadstravel.com forward slash insurance double L and traveled and don't leave home without it as the saying goes. <laughs> okay now back to the show and don't forget please 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 never travel without travel insurance. Trust me I learned once from the hard way and never again. <laughs> this is the travel insurance company that I use and they're awesome. They cover over 130 different countries so go check them out manyroadstravel.com forward slash insurance double L and traveled and don't leave home without it as the saying goes. <laughs> Not only is it great for you, but it also helps support the show. Thank you. So yeah, we just kind of hung out there for a few hours and then we decided we were going to stay another night there. So we, we had a second night camping there. There's also a canyon near. Canyon was formed from a dry riverbed, so you can walk down the riverbed, and it's really cool as well. Like all these, you know, craggy rocks and through the desert, it's pretty cool. So we did that. 
And then from there, we drove down to Luteritz because it was almost Christmas time and we wanted to find somewhere, you know, a cool place to stay for Christmas. So I think we got to Luteritz like around December 22nd, I'm going to say. So Luteritz like is this really cute harbor town and there's only one road to get in and out of it. And it's right on the coast and it's the coastline. Like again, it's very windy, very wild coastline. Luteritz, again, is another German little quaint colonial town. So, you know, very German art deco, all the architecture. We found a campground, our campsite, like just outside of town. And it was awesome, although it was windy and I had like windophobia, but it was okay. <laughs> My tent got blown away a few times, but no worries. But yeah, so we decided, okay, this is where we're going to be spending Christmas. And we picked like a bush that's what was going to be our christmas tree a couple of days before christmas you know of course we went into luteritz and there's lots of great restaurants and we found this really great restaurant so it was half a bar half restaurant and we ended up going there pretty much every day and we met the owners and they said we'll come here for christmas dinner you know we'd love to have you or like okay that sounds like a plan we'll definitely do that they were really really lovely and then I think it was Christmas Eve. We, I don't know how we even heard about it, whether we met locals in the, the restaurant that told us, but there was a little settlement outside of Literates, which was, you know, just all Black African people, local people. And they had a disco and they were having a Christmas Eve party. So we decided to go. And we were the only, you know, five white people there. <laughs> no problem. I loved it. And yeah, we were just honestly totally embraced like they loved it we danced like i'd just be grabbed you know by big mamas left right and center to dance with so yeah we got pretty drunk had a blast it was an amazing christmas eve we somehow got back to our campsite at about like i don't know three in the morning and crashed in our tents but lisa was up like at seven in the morning which because we'd bought some champagne to have christmas morning and some orange juice and we'd also had done a secret Santa. So picked one person to buy a gift for us, which we had wrapped under our decorated bush <laughs> our little campsite right on the cliffs. She's like, okay, let's ready. Let's pop the champagne. And we we're just like, oh my God, we're so drunk from the night before. We only slept a few hours. But anyways, we got up, popped the champagne with some orange juice. What's that? Mimosas. And then, you know, opened up our presents. We bought each other. Yeah, it was great. And then about 10 o'clock, we all went back to bed. Because <laughs> we, you know, had our big Christmas meal, which I think was kind of mid-afternoon. So anyways, you know, we put on our best clothes, which is not saying much, which basically just meant, you know, something that didn't stink and it was clean. <laughs> and headed to the restaurant. And the owners were so lovely. And they even let us make reverse calls home to our families. Canada, England, New Zealand, Australia. So we did that. So we got to speak to our families, which is awesome as well. And then we had a beautiful Christmas meal, you know, roast turkey, the whole works, and I was drinking red wine, smoking cigars. It was awesome. And then later on that evening, so we were, we kind of moved to the bar part of the, of the restaurant, and there was a, a side door which kind of led to a back alley, like off the bar. So there's maybe, I don't know, 30 people in the bar part. At that point, I was just sitting by myself uh, on these like high bar stools with a little table, drinking red wine, smoking my cigar, because you could smoke inside in those days. 
there's about a group of about five guys who are really drunk and really obnoxious. And they kept hitting on me, Lisa, and Leone, but mostly Lisa. And this one guy just wouldn't leave Lisa alone. And Lisa was quite a shy, you know, timid girl, loved like, you know, she wasn't an extrovert, let's say. And this guy just wouldn't leave her alone. And I was kind of, I'd clock this, right? And then the next thing I know, this guy, and he was like six foot one, probably big, stocky guy, you know, kind of looked like an ex-rugby player or something like that in his 40s. And we were all in our 20s, right? And he grabs her and starts pulling her out this back door entrance to the alleyway and like is groping her and everything, right? And I'm, and she's like, get off me, get off me. And he wouldn't, he just really pulled her. She actually had bruise marks on her arm. That's how strong his grip was on her. Well, I was having none of it. <laughs> you don't screw around with my friends, man. <laughs> so I put down my wine glass and my cigar, got up, pulled him around towards me. My arm went down on his arm to, so he would release Lisa, basically. So now he spun towards me, like in shock. And I just grabbed him, his shoulders, and brought him down and raised my knee at the same time. Like his heart, like I just turned into Bruce Lee. Like, I don't know. I didn't think about it. It just happened. And I ended up knocking him out and breaking his nose. <laughs> I just went back to my table, picked up my wine glass and cigar because nobody saw except for Lisa what had happened. And he was just literally passed out on the floor in a pool of blood with his nose broken. Of course, his buddies turn around and they're like, what the hell's happened to you, dude? <laughs> like, what? So they have to carry, like four of his four friends had to pick him up and carry him out. He still was unconscious. You know, I'm shaking, but I'm trying to be cool. And Lisa just comes over to me and she was like, oh my God, Tam, you're like my hero. I can't believe you did that. That was so awesome. <laughs> and like she had to tell, you know, Leone and, and the boys what had happened because like I said, nobody saw what happened. And they were just like, what the hell? That's kick ass. So I, on a, they called me Super Tam for weeks afterwards. It was hilarious. So him and the four guys come back in a little bit later, with, you know, it's kind of cleaned up his face, but. His nose is busted and he's obviously very pissed off. Well, I find out that it's the owner. So the owners were a couple. It was his brother, the owner's brother that I'd knocked out. <laughs> so because we got along with the owner so well, the wife came over to me and she gave me a heads up, you know, because I explained exactly what happened. She was understandable. She's like, yeah, he's a bit of a jackass, especially when he's drunk. And I said, no, that's not cool. God knows, you know, what he was going to do to her in the back alley because he was all over in here. So, and to be honest, I didn't even think. It just happened. And she's like, okay, well, he's out for vengeance. So I really think before word spreads around, it was you guys because he didn't realize it was me that did it. But she's like, word will get out. So I really, really highly advise you guys pack up and leave Luteritz tomorrow. <laughs> So that's the first time I've actually kind of been barred from a whole town. So we were just like, yep, that's fine. Because the boys, like Ollie and Ward were lovers, not fighters, put it that way. So we were just like, yeah, let's get the hell out of here. We had an awesome time up until this point, but time to get to Cape Town. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. I turned into Bruce Lee on Christmas Day in Little Literates, Namibia. 
So basically from there, we had one more stop in Fish River Canyon, which is the second biggest canyon in the world after the Grand Canyon, and then beeline it down to Cape Town. So to hear all about that, tune into next Thursday's episode. Make sure you subscribe. But of course, before you go, and now it's time for Tam's Top Tips. So tip number one is about Svakumund. Yeah, there's lots of cute little guest houses. Again, very you know German influenced. And it is a great base for tours if you want to go see the Cape Fur Seals, uh, Cape Cross, as well as it going into the, you know, safaris into the Namib Desert. And there's also a nearby elephant conservation area. And you can also even go on camel safari trips too. And there's lots and lots of adventure sports you can do, like sandboarding and quad biking and dune buggies in the desert. And Swakamunt Skydiving Club is one of the oldest and one of the best in the world. I wish I'd have known that then because I still haven't skydived and I really want to do it. So if you go, let me know how it goes. <laughs> and there's hot air balloons and lots of birding and, you know, lots and lots of stuff to do in Swakamunt and the surrounding area. So it's a good place to go to check out for sure. And then tip number two, obviously, is Sassivle and Deadvle because you just you've never seen anything like it trust me and of course you have all those adventure sports that i just mentioned you can do there as well and the entrance fee to get in is less than ten dollars a day and if you have your own vehicle it's only about 80 cents a day and you can find accommodation there camping anywhere from like 30 dollars a night you know up to 250 dollars plus for all the different fancy lodges and it's about five hours from Windhoek or Svakumund to get to Sausivle. And like I said, if you don't have a four-wheel drive, then you can, they do offer shuttle services. Because like I said, 60 kilometers to Sausivle from the park entrance. And again, that's only like $7 return. So that's a pretty good deal too. And of course, they have, again, safaris to go there or having day excursions, things like that that you can do. So you can always check that out. And now tip number three is about luteritz. Don't get in any like bar brawls. <laughs> You'll get banned from the town. <laughs> but like I mentioned, it is a really, really cute town. There's a lot of great restaurants. The coastline is amazing because it's just so rugged. And there is also like nearby, it's called it's a ghost town and it's called Kolmanskop. And there's also the Forbidden Zone that you can visit. So it used to be an old diamond mining town kind of thing but it just when the diamonds ran out it just everyone left so that's why they call it ghost town so no one's lived there for years and then for solo female travelers namibia yeah <laughs> i can't i always seem to have an incident and then go to solo female travelers yeah it's super safe to go there i mean it is it's fine like it's like no different to where you're from you know what i mean but i would recommend Maybe if you're on your own, like rent your own car or, well, actually four-wheel drive or meet other travelers in either South Africa or Windhoek or in Zimbabwe and, you know, organize to, to rent a vehicle between you kind of thing to save on costs. But besides that, you shouldn't have any problem. There's no real dress codes. It really is like South Africa. You know, it's very westernized, so no problems there. And don't forget... 
please, please, please never travel without travel insurance. Trust me, I learned once from the hard way and never again. <laughs> this is the travel insurance company that I use and they're awesome. They cover over 130 different countries. So go check them out. Manyroadstravel.com forward slash insurance, double L in travels, and don't leave home without it, as the saying goes. <laughs> Not only is it great for you, but it also helps support the show. Thank you. Okay, so that is a wrap for this week. So once again, thank you so much for listening. Episode number 50, I can't believe it. I'm happy to keep going as long as you keep listening. Okay, so if you want some more information, obviously go on, head on over to the website, manyroadstravel.com, to L's and Traveled, of course. So we'll see you next week. Until then, safe travels, one more time.